guys, more team. They're burying us alive! Eddie Shore? Oh, piss on Eddie Shore. Old-time hockey? Piss on old-time hockey! You're blowing it! And now, between the stammers, your unofficial Canucks cast, here's Arden Caleb. Between the stammies. What day is it today? October 14th. Coming to you from Between the Stammers, Studio B. Art procrastinating, still not having Studio A up and running yet. But that's okay. I'm thankful for him. This is the Thanksgiving, late Thanksgiving episode. He's a great co-host and friend. Art Aronson, how the heck are you? Pretty good. I'll tell you. It's amazing how much he comes on this show, on this show and waxes poetic about his good friend Art Aronson. But off the air... Oh boy, different story, guys. Different well, I mean, story. You skip movie night to watch the uh, NBA final, but I mean, aside from that, I'm kind of getting over it. You know, feelings were a little hurt. Candy Apple was there waiting for you. You know, but Art just had to snuggle up that night with his cat and watch LeBron do his thing. Fair enough. You love sports. I wasn't feeling very sociable. Is that all right? Well, I mean, we go ahead and plan these things a few days out, but. That's all right, Art. I took a mental health day. That's all right. <laughs> okay, so what do you want to talk about? Uh, a lot of news went down. Canucks free agency. Um, Twitter was set afire by people panicking like the sky was falling. Um, Jim Benning, I mean, we kind of talked about this, you know, a few weeks ago, and especially around the trade deadline when the Canucks acquired Tyler Toffoli. If his job is now in jeopardy, if he was going to whiff this Toffoli signing. And I kind of thought, like, it's going to be a pretty big black eye if they don't re-sign him. What do you think, Hart? What do you think of all this that went down uh, over the last week? What a roller coaster weekend. That's what I'll say it was. Yeah. A roller coaster weekend. So let's start with who we lost and how we feel about it, right? Because, I mean, that's what we do here on Between the Stammers. We talk about the Canucks, and then we talk about our feelings. Right? Yeah, it's therapy. Okay, so Jacob Markstrom, what was the expectation, and how far off are you about feeling the uh, the loss of Jacob Markstrom? Okay, it sucks. <laughs> I, but I think we were all accustomed to the idea that he would not be on the Canucks. I feel like we all knew it wasn't going to happen, right? Yeah. One of your big concerns was losing him to a divisional rival. Yeah. Jacob Markstrom signs with the Calgary Flames for six years at $6 million per. No movement clause as well for Jacob Markstrom in that deal. Um, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about him going to Calgary? Do you think this is going to come back to haunt us? Or do you think you're okay with having Thatcher Demko kind of take over the reins from here? Yeah, I think it's going to come back to haunt us at some point. Yeah. I predict a Calgary Flames-Vancouver Canucks matchup. In the playoffs next year, calling yeah. it right now. You think so, eh? I think it's all set up for that. Is it not? Well, I mean, the drama's there. The drama's going to be there for sure. Yeah. Um, though we lose Jacob Markstrom, the Canucks add a piece, an insulary piece to their goaltending for a tidier sum on save. Uh, Braden Holpe, pretty good contract. Um, seems like a lot of people have already given up on Braden Holpe. Braden Holpe two years ago was a Stanley Cup champion. He kind of had one okay season with the Capitals this year. Are you okay with bringing in a guy like Holpe to, uh, you know, either mentor uh, Demko or step into that role and kind of challenge for the top spot? I love this deal. Yeah? I love it. Uh, It was about 
the type of money that you could afford that you would want to sign Jacob Markstrom for, which you, we all knew wasn't going to happen. Uh, I think he's at the perfect spot in his career. Let's be honest. He's only one year older than Jacob Markstrom, right? Yeah. The old goalie is only one year 31. older. Yeah, only one year older than Jacob Markstrom. So I love where he is in his career. And the Canucks, whatever happens this year, this COVID era, this COVID schedule, there's going to be a lot of back-to-backs, I think. Yeah. So you're going to have to have two goalies. And unfortunately, it's not going to be Markstrom, but we know why that's the case. I'm happy with these two guys. And I think Holtby knows that he's just not hes not going to come in and have the number one job, right? He's, he's going to have to fight for he's it. He's going to fight for yeah, it. Yeah, I and agree. Quite frankly, that's exactly what we want at this point. Demko hasn't proven that he's a number one goalie yet. Yeah. He hasn't. And we were all scared that... Markstrom was going to leave, and then it was going to be an unproven guy behind him. Throw throw that away. You yeah. got a proven guy in Holtby. At this point in the whole roller coaster of emotions of Canucks fans, we're feeling okay. At least I was. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like in this podcast before, we were talking about like guys like backups that we could pick up to put in behind Demko, and I mean, like we named a lot worse goaltenders. Uh, than Holby, and for the amount of money that Holby signed for, I think the Canucks are in pretty good shape as far as their goaltending is concerned. And goaltending can do so much for you, as we saw last year, Markstrom being our MVP. I think that's the thing that hurts the most is knowing how good Marky was last year, knowing he was our team MVP of the season until he went down, and then losing him to a division rival. It sucks. It totally sucks. But it was gonna happen, right? Like. Would I rather not see him in Calgary? Of course. But at least it's not Edmonton. <laughs> Why do you say that, though, at least it's not Edmonton? Because I don't like Edmonton more. Hmm. Calgary, there's things about that Calgary team that I, I, I don't know why. Like, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just got a short memory or something. But there's, there's things about that team that I like. I just feel like they're more of a lunch pail team. I feel like they weren't gifted with their players like Edmonton was. And that's one of the biggest things for me, like, when it comes to teams is, like, just these, like, lottery, like, gimmies and teams that just squander it. It's like a spoiled kid, you know, a, a, a dad gives his son a Ferrari and he drives rat bags. It doesn't get an oil change, uh, you know, smashes it into a wall. Then a dad gives a kid a Lamborghini after he smashes his Ferrari, he goes and does the same thing with it. Edmonton has been gifted so many things from the NHL. And they just squander it all. And that pisses me off as just a fan of sports. Like, I hate that. Right? So, I think that's probably the reason why my animosity is a little higher with Edmonton than it is with Calgary. I can at least respect the way that Calgary's built. Calgary sure uh, took a lot of pieces from us, though, in this offseason. I mean, that's a good segue to talk about the next loss. Are we done talking about Markstrom? I just want to say, though, about Markstrom. You're messing up my segue here. I'm trying to host... I guess I I know, but I'm I'm just going I'm just I'm just reversing around doing what you usually do to me. I know I like it. I just want to say that only in the NHL could a guy have such a good season and be a free agent and get such a ho hum contract for him. The six million, yeah. Like if uh, you're if you're if you're in baseball, if you are in the NBA or in the NFL, you're getting a break. You're break the bank. For that guy, right? But do you not think, though, that the NHL has learned its lesson when it comes to goaltending about handing out these contracts? 
I mean, like when, like I mean, even look like at a guy like Henrik Lundqvist this offseason, right? He was bought out of his contract, and that contract was worth more than Markstrom's. Mm-hmm. Look at like Carey Price and the amount of financial trouble that uh, Montreal's in. I I just feel like, uh, especially nowadays, these NHL like owners with how hard the salary cap is that there are a lot more wearies of having goalies as franchise goalies. And it's it's smart. Right? It Absolute, is smart. Absolutely it is. But just on a business yeah. standpoint for him as a career, because that's the only contract that this I guy know. is going to get. Yeah, 36 million. Same amount as Louis Erickson. I know. Right? Like, really, that's kind of insane. But also, I mean, these teams have learned their lessons with goaltenders. I really think that. with Like, like I mean, even going back to Luongo's contract, Rick DiPietro's contract, right? Like, the term isn't there. I mean, we just saw the Sh- Chicago Blackhawks part part ways with Corey Crawford okay. this so week. That's right? another thing. Like, like the goal. You're market. not a friend. If you're a goaltender, you're not a franchise player anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, they will not keep you around to let you retire. I think that's just the way the new NHL is. It is, and it's 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 too bad for Marky the. The, the player. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, the person, yeah fair enough. Right? I, and I and, agree with you. And that's the biggest thing. Now, like, obviously, with expansion coming up in Seattle happening, the Canucks had to let it happen because if they would have done something, he would have been ripe for the picking regardless. Or Demko would have been ripe for the picking at a younger age with, like, I hate to talk about potential because, I mean, you and I are kind of like, we're a little bit of naysayers when we talk about guys coming in and, and the potential and everything like that. But, like, you want to keep a guy like Demko who can age with that core and play to kind of what we're seeing right now, mm-hmm. right? So I do think the Canucks did the right thing letting him walk. Sucks. It does suck, hey? Yeah. Do you have a uh, Do you have a drink over there? Or are you just dry dry chewing everything? Yeah. So apologies to anybody listening to this podcast. It's Controver- Thanksgiving. Controversial move. We're eating Thanksgiving right now as we're trying to do this podcast. Do you have something to wash your thing down? Do you want to raise a glass to Marky? I'll raise these hand sanitizer wipes. Oh, my God. Wipes. You didn't even bring anything to drink? I'm sorry. I got How flustered. How are you going to swallow, man? I got flustered. Art's a pelican. He doesn't need any sort of liquid to swallow his food. He just slowly sucks it down the gullet. Now he's leaving the studio. Well, what to talk about next year, eh? I think the next big thing to talk about is probably uh, let's let's talk about another loss that the Canucks endured over this offseason. And in this one, I'm referring to Chris Tanev on defense. You know, he was a guy who was a rock on the for as long as he was uh, playing with this team. I mean, he came into the playoffs during the 2011 season as a guy who kind of surpassed expectations. And we've had him since he's been a warrior. The only kind of sidebar with Tanev has been. Over the last few seasons, not even last year, he had a really good bounce-back season with Hughes. The injury history uh, and those miles really started racking up with Chris Tanev. Calgary decided to swoop in there and sign him to a contract. They saw value in him. They lost a guy like TJ Brody in free agency to the Maple Leafs. Art, what do you think about Chris Tanev leaving? I couldn't believe the number that this guy got. That's the first thing. First and foremost. I was like, good for you, Chris Tanev. Holy shit. So as opposed to Markstrom, you thought Tanev was a little bit overpaid. Yes. Okay. 100%. What makes you say that? Here's a guy who, even a year ago. First off, let's talk the number. What's the number? Do you remember? Ballpark? Ballpark in in contract? 
Damn it. This is why we're between the stammers. We have absolutely no idea about our numbers. Well, you said you couldn't believe the numbers, so I wanted to call you out on it. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, it was, it was, it was, I just recall. <laughs> I just recall. I just, it, okay. Four years, 18 million. Yeah. I so was, that's about 4.5 per year? Yeah. I was like. Actually, it is 4.5 per year. It's exactly 4.5 per year. I was like, this is a number that you can't that you can't give out to a guy who has proven that he can't stay healthy, right? He had one healthy year this year, and it was a heck of a year. And it was a shortened season. And it was a shortened season. So to me, it just it. If you look at all the other defensemen that signed, even, not even just defensemen, but just players. At the deadline, this guy had one of the most lucrative, got one of the most lucrative contracts. He did. Yeah. For one good year. Well, I mean, like the injury history really plays into why you think that, right? I mean, when Tanev's healthy, he's a pretty good player. Offensively, not much there, but in his own end, he's a great skater, can get the puck out. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's one of those guys who's really valuable having, uh, back there to kind of just do whatever you can. He's good in front of the net. He kills penalties. He blocks shots. He's always up in the tops of the league in shot blocks, which is something that I don't always put too much stock in because I'm of the belief that, you know, if you're blocking too many shots, you may be out of position. Um, I guess it kind of depends on whether the the other team's in transition or not. But um, here's the thing. Are you okay with losing Tanev? Okay, so, and you're doing a fine job hosting here, by the way. Got some this, water in you. At this point, in the whole roller coaster that was Canucks fans, are Canucks you talking Twitter, about Twitter? Twitter, just not just Twitter though. This Twitter was, and pundits, just everybody, every every one of my friends that is a Canucks fan. I my phone was just going off all all weekend on this shit. And it was a range of emotions, right? People were still okay. They were like, Tanev, that's way more than we could have given him. Yeah. And it sucked again that he went to Calgary. Yes. That's, that was the only thing. Like, what the fuck, Calgary? And then They're, Louis Domingue right after, right? Sloppy seconds. Okay, Calgary, you can have him. Yeah. Uh, it, but we were like, okay, there's a hole to be filled. But at this point, the Canucks... They're still on the Oliver ekman Larson train, I believe, at this point. Yeah. We had already known. Yeah, let's talk about that. The Oliver ekman <laughs> yes. Larson deal um, was something that was dangling around in, in Canucksville in the rumor mill. Uh, he was on, like, apparently Vancouver was on a two-team trade list that Oliver ekman Larson had submitted. Oliver ekman Larson's contract is ridiculous, by the way. Yeah. It is way too much money. And when I saw that, originally I was like, why are we going after this guy? You know, so I was a little tentative on on that side from a personal standpoint, but I'm like, whatever. It looks like the Canucks want to revamp their defense. Mm -hmm. Obviously, there was something last year, and I think it was in that Vegas series when Vegas was out skating us and the Canucks were hemmed in their own end for eons, it felt like, in a couple of those games where, from a defensive perspective, by the guys that we had back there, we were getting our heads kicked in. Yep. Right? So I think that's why the Canucks are saying, okay, we want to prioritize this defense, change it, 
probably get a little more offense too from our back end and looking at a guy like Ekman Larson, who's a pretty steady Eddie back there. He has been an all-star in this league. So they had put a target on him. Obviously, with what Arizona was asking, they were asking for way too much in, in part of this deal, and Canucks had to leave that alone, right? So basically this of move to Calgary happened on the tail end of this Oliver Ackman Larson news yep. where this deal was about to fall through, correct? So, yes. Okay. And at that point, we're like, wow, this is things aren't going well. You think so? I think so. At yeah. this at this point, when the Ekman Larson deal fell through, uh, and then Chris Tanev signs with the Flames, and then the Canucks don't extend a qualifying offer to Troy Stetcher, and everybody's like, uh, who's going to be manning the blue line in Vancouver at this point? I'll right? tell, I'll but you know what? And there's a lot of people out there that was giving Jim Betting a lot of shit for this. There are also the same people who were not huge fans of these guys going in. And now they're giving Benning shit for when these guys leave. I just thought there was a bit of a double standard there. Fair enough. I honestly think that the wheels fell off this bus from most uh, Canuck fans that I saw on Twitter. Like the really, like that loud, tight-knit Twitter community with the Canucks. I really thought the wheels fell off the bus with Stetcher. Yes. Which absolutely surprised me like I had no idea how many people valued Troy Stetcher as as much as they as they possibly did you know and then like him go I think one of the reasons why it sung is because he ended up going to Detroit for like 1.7 million and people were like really you can't qualify him you can't bring him on your team for 1.7 million one I don't think the Canucks had as much like stock in Stetcher as everybody thought they did I mean if you go back and you look at the way the Canucks were killing penalties in the playoffs Oscar Fattenberg was out there before Stetcher was, Mm -hmm. right? Oscar Fattenberg kind of took Stetcher's job as far as being like a specialty guy in front of the net who can do those things. Troy Stetcher from Richmond, great story. Guy who came in through the NCAA, great story, good player, always an effort, kind of got his head kicked in on the wall when you're watching him battle for pucks. And it's not that he doesn't try. Everybody knows he tries, and he has a second effort that I applaud when he does get the puck back. I'm like, this guy's a gamer. By the way. But. I, yes. The tools that Troy Stetcher has can be upgraded. And if the Canucks were to qualify him based on the contract that they already had him on, they would be paying way too much money for him. So what Troy was, what was the qualifying? What was the qualifying? It would have been around $4 million. Yeah. Troy Stetcher took a pay cut to remain in the league with the Detroit Red Wings. Am I wrong? I think you're right. And they could the qualifying offer, they could not give him that qualifying offer. But here's the question. An agent I, an agent of anybody, sorry, Art, to cut you off. I have another uh, piece of pie. That's good. An agent for any player isn't going to look at a team where a guy is as young as Troy Stetcher, right, and, and be like, oh, okay, for our next contract, now that this guy is entering more of the prime of his career, we want less money from this team. He's always going to ask for more. And if they were going to ask for more, Troy and his agent, the Canucks were going to let him walk. There was no qualifying offer for that exact reason, right? Yes. I also think that he was so hurt that he didn't get qualified, that he wasn't going to resign with Vancouver after that. What I will say, yeah, that I think that can be part of it. Yeah. But also, 
Like, to pay the guy, here is where you can blame Benning. Benning probably overpaid Troy Stetcher a couple years back when he re-signed him by giving him that much money, mm-hmm. right? He's like, okay, this is where we want to go. We want to move forward with this guy, right? He I'm probably trust, overpaid I'm trusting him back you. Then. I'm trusting you with this money number. It's around, it is around four. Like His qualifying offer it was around four. No, it would have had to have been. Because he's not gonna he's not gonna take a pay cut to remain with the Canucks. Yeah, he's just not. Yeah. And then as soon as they didn't qualify him, right? He has to go to a team, and the team got him on a steal from one point seven. Tidy deal for Detroit. Yeah. Like Troy's a good good defenseman. So here, like you said, you can criticize criticize Benning for giving that that contract first and foremost. Also, the criticism on Benning was at this point everybody was like, this guy, everything's falling apart around him. And why is that happening? People are losing their collective mind. They are. Because of the offer not being t- given towards Troy. Yeah. When when you think about it, it does make sense, right? But also, like, who's going to come up on D? Why don't we have a D-man? Why did the o- OEL deal fall apart, yeah. right? Benning has yet to make a move. We've lost three players to the Calgary Flames and one player to Detroit, and we haven't moved any of the lugs on our team that people want to see gone. Louis still here. Sutter is still here. That Barchi contract is still here, right? So yeah, I mean, I get I get the uh the panic, but I don't really really see the problem too too much with what was remaining out there. Like I knew a deal was going to get done, and at this time, personally, I think the Toffoli deal is going to get done. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, now he has the money, he has no excuse not to sign Tyler Toffoli. Right? So, going to our third subtraction. Tyler Toffoli goes to Montreal. This is where. Right? Oh. For about $17 million, 17 point something. I think it's 17.2 or 17.5 or whatever, on a four-year deal to Montreal. What are you thinking when that goes down? I put a tweet. It was the only tweet that I put out over the weekend. I wanted to put a lot more tweets, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to add to this ridiculousness that is Canucks Twitter right now. I'm not going to do it. But at that moment, I felt compelled. I was like, well, JV's on the hot seat now. We've lost all these players. He hasn't done anything. We've Not only have we lost all those players, we haven't trimmed the fat. So... And this was like, I even forgot about the Holtby thing when I put that tweet. I was like, okay, there is a replacement for one player that they a have. A pretty important spot. Very important. Yeah. And I forgot about that. So, sorry, Jim. But I was like, this is this is turning into one of the worst off-seasons that the Canucks have ever had. Right? I think the optics of it were a lot worse than, than what it actually is. We lost the pieces. Uh, to me, the thing that was bugging me is we didn't trim any of the fat more so than anything else. Benning was showing- and with the Tyler Toffoli deal that he made at the trade deadline to try and make the playoffs, like that that deal was a little bit, I wouldn't say it was out of desperation, but it was like a move to say like we're locked in here and we're going to push for these playoffs. Like I'm committed to this team to try and make these playoffs and I'm going to make a splash to get Tyler Toffoli. That's giving up a guy in Tyler Madden who, you know, third rounder, Looks like he's probably going to pan out. He's been playing really well in the NCAA and a second and a second round pick for next season. 
So everything at this point is falling down on Benning because yeah. a they're like, okay, why aren't we signing these players? We don't have the cap space. Yes. Yeah. Why don't we have the cap space? Benning has made because you got Brandon teams. Sutter and Louis Erickson on deals where they're way overpaid, and also Tyler Myers overpaid. Right? We can look at that contract and be like, when you see a guy like Chris Tan of signing a deal for four point five. And but this why is, is Tyler this Myers? Is where people but this are, is but this is also the market that this we're is in. also where that. people are making the mistake because of the COVID shortened seasons, yes. right? Guys yes. aren't making as much because of COVID yes. and because of the market, yes. and the market will always set the price. Last year, that was the price for Tyler Myers. It just was, yeah, you know, and that's the roll of the dice for players taking term when their contracts up. You never know what's going to happen. Like wh- where the world's going to be sitting at, and all of that, o- all that other stuff. That's right. Okay, but at this point, this is why everything's crumbling because we've lost those players. Uh, we, we, we gave up a lot for Toffoli, and then he resigned for a very good number that we probably should yeah. have gotten him at. So you're at this point, you're thinking, okay, Benning. Not only was he, not only did he fail on the Oliver Ackman Larson, which turns out, I think. Well, we can we can speculate. I wanted to pass yeah. on OEL yeah. anyway. We, we can we can speculate on that, right? Yeah. But he sh- he's showing ineptitude at this point because he wasn't he's not able to sign resign his players. Why is that? Because he doesn't have any cap space. Why does he not have any cap space? Because of poor signing. But again, this is speculation. Let me, Let me finish. Yeah. And also, he's shown an inability to multitask at this point as well. Don't you think? Again, I think all this is like a little bit of conjecture and speculation about like what he's doing and what he's not doing as far as multitasking and all that stuff is concerned. The optics of it don't look good. I I will I will one hundred percent agree with that. Losing Tyler Toffoli, like when that happened, I'm like, okay, he is in the hot seat and he should be in the hot seat because that trade. Why would you make that trade to try and push to make the playoffs if you didn't think you were going to be able to re-sign that guy. And then you don't sign Markstrom, and you don't sign Tanev, and you let Stetcher go, and you aren't able to sign the one guy that you should sign in this offseason. Tyler Toffoli Tyler was Tifoli. the one guy who I thought we should re-sign. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I agree. And to see him go for, you know, an, a deal that we could have fit under our yeah. cap. But obviously, something had shifted between... The end of the Canucks playoff run to where the beginning of the Canucks playoff run was had. Tyler Toffoli went down with an injury. Yeah. He came back. He played pretty well. He scored a goal in the first game he came back in, right? But in the Vegas series, it was pretty noticeable to me that the Canucks were getting outskated up and down the ice, and Tyler Toffoli wasn't legging it as well as he could be. Injuries. Fair Huge. enough. Yeah. Fair enough, right? Yeah. But I think Benning was like, I got to sort this defense out before I even try and make a move out to Foley. And that's where Oliver Ekman Larson came into play first. And that's where eventually Canucks made the move to sign Nate Schmidt on an absolute fucking robbery deal. Okay, we're gonna get to that in a second. Right? But let's oh, just go who's back. Who's the host here, Art? Who's the host here? <laughs> on an absolute are you saying robbery I set, deal. Are you saying I set the narrative? On, that never happened. An happens. absolute steal of a deal. You know, that kind of salvaged the whole off-season mood and everything that Canucks fans are in now. I think most people have, like, let the sky go back up a few hundred miles and realize, okay, we're not in in as bad shape as we look. We still have some really nice key pieces in the system that hopefully can make the jump, like we've been talking about year on year on year before. And the Canucks now 
you know, they can still play and can still contend for a playoff spot. Okay. Go back to your point. The point is, in defense of him, you putting up that as a defense of Jim Benning, saying that he needed to look after his blue line over re-signing to Foley is hog, hogwash. Hogwash. Horrible. Okay. It's horrible. You don't think that perspective may have shifted within the organization? You don't think him and Travis Green had a conversation of what do we need to improve moving forward? And Travis Green didn't yes. say the blue line? No, no, but that's that can be true as well. They're not mutually exclusive on this point. The point is you gave up a shit ton to get a player and you couldn't re-sign him. And because you've decided that your defense, which you let walk out the door is more important? No. Both are equally as important. That's the point I'm trying to make. What I'm trying to say is the Canucks probably could have re-signed Tyler Toffoli if they wanted to. They have the money. They didn't value him as much as Montreal did on that deal, and they said, go ahead. Okay. make Walk away. This is where we want to move. I think think it's pretty apparent that the Canucks want to be faster team, and they want more offense from their blue line. They want better transition – and they want to be well, better then in their Jim own Jim Benning end. is an idiot for trading for Tyler Toffoli then. Why? We got to the playoffs with him. Well, he admitted that he was wrong by letting him walk. I, I agree. Why give I up ag- so much for a player for 17 games? I agree with that. So I agree th- with that sentiment. I agree with the sentiment there. Yeah. But if you look at that rationally, about what we were able to get from Tyler Toffoli in that short amount of time, and what the rest of the forward group proved the, in the top six, what they were able to prove and how far they were able to go, I think he probably asked himself, what do we need to fix? What do we need to prioritize to fix? And how can we do it? And as much as I wanted Tyler to fully, because I felt the same way. As soon as I saw him walk, I'm like, this is brutal. You know, I don't really care too, too much about Tyler Madden. You know, he was, and he was a good player. He's third rounder. He has potential, but is he going to be another Tyler Toffoli or turn into something like that? In my heart of hearts, I don't think he is. Anyway, that just sounds like cutting your losses. That's what it sounds like. But that's what you have to do every single year in free agency. But it also means he failed with that trade for Toffoli by letting him walk. I think that's yet to be seen. The jury's still out on it. However, right now, the optics of it, and I agree, are bad for what he was able to get for Toffoli. I'm not trying to apologize for Benny here. And I said that before. I said, this is going to look bad if we're not able to re-sign him. And it does. It looks bad. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, with Schmidt coming in onto that back end for the steal of a deal that we got, third line, we can swallow yeah. it. And uh, and me personally, I can go, okay, yeah. I mean, Benning's job is probably still secure. You know? Uh, Western Conference semifinal game seven last season. You know, if we weren't able to pick up a guy like Schmidt uh, that quickly, then probably I think everybody's feeling in Canuckland would be a lot worse. But there has been a change of what I think the organization is looking for. And as much as it's Benning, it's other guys in that organization saying, these are our weaknesses. We might have thought these might have been our weaknesses before, but after getting this far, we feel like these are our weaknesses and we want to improve them. It just kind of sounds like you're making an excuse for Benning because it's a pandemic and the market changed too, right? When you no, could th- have foreseen all of these things happening earlier. 
Dude, I I agree with the money, but like it is an interesting year for all the NHL teams, yeah. and it's not just our hockey market that we talk about. You know, people are people in our market are mad at Benning. People in Chicago's market are mad at at Stan Bowman. People in Nashville are pissed off at David Poyle. Yeah, all these guys are working around these same st- circumstances and aren't able to give bigger contracts to players because of COVID. Right? Yeah. So it's like, if you want to keep these fan favorite guys, that's fine. We didn't lose a single piece of our core. Yeah, it's true. Right? Markstrom. Clap your hands for that. We lost Markstrom. We lost Markstrom. Yeah. But I mean, you can't even consider it. We talked about that earlier. You can't yeah. even really consider a goaltender, especially I, when he I, gets to I am the laughing. end of his career. I am laughing at the Canucks fans who said this was the smart move, and yet they don't want to give Benning any credit for not re-signing Markstrom. Right? There are a lot of people out there that aren't giving him any credit for that, even though that was the move that everybody was screaming for. Yes. Yeah. And he did it. So you have to give him some marks for that. You have to give him some marks for a lot of those a lot but of those things. The also, team isn't going to improve unless you get some rid of some players. The thing I found the most ridiculous was this Troy Stetcher thing, by far and away. And it has nothing to do with the character of Troy Stetcher. I think he he's a great character and he's a hard worker. I, I found but it for very people to dis- value him. Yeah, I found as I, high as they did. Yeah, it's ridiculous. I, I I felt it was quite disingenuous of so many Canucks fans who said the Canucks backhand sucked ass and didn't even mention Stetcher as a, a, an important piece to the backhand going into this season. And now he's gone and everybody's acting like the house is on fire. Yeah. So, yes. And I, I laugh at the people, the, the, the analytical people out there talking about how Stetcher was so great in a, with analytics. Yeah, guy who can't kill penalties, yeah. by the way. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, like, no. Come on. I, I, and Give your head Ste- a shake. And Stetcher, great, great guy. Yeah. He's a great guy and a great story. But I know... The reason why he's not out there killing penalties, the reason why he's not out there in a big defensive situation is because he's not big enough to handle those big forwards, especially you saw that in the Vegas series. Yeah. The problem, he's just not. The problem with the Canucks before free agency... By the way... Listen. Th- th- but no, by the way, of the analytical people, again, here's another thing that pisses me Art off. Art Aronson's going full kill of Curry. This is another thing that pisses me off about the analytical right. people. They, I like it. They are cherry-picking numbers. Like... Yes, maybe he didn't have a certain amount of goals per minute against him when he's out there. But let's just throw out the fact that he's not out there in situations where the other team could score, right? He's going against other forwards that aren't out there to score. Or he's not being, uh, he's not a defenseman during a penalty kill. He's never a matchup guy. Yeah, so quite frankly, when you throw that analytical number out there about Troy Stetcher, it is fucking horseshit. It means nothing. Sorry. All right. Sorry. Well, now I forgot what I was going to say, Art, so thanks. I'm sorry. It really derailed me over here. No, I think what I was talking about was the Canucks' problems, right? Before free agency and now, the problems remain the same. We're paying too much money for guys we can't get rid of. Yeah. Right? Okay. And, and, and people who are upset with all these signings and all these losses – the, the key root of this issue is that we still have Sutter and Louis Erickson on this team, and we haven't been able to get rid of them. Louis Erickson and Sutter's combined. They're making it. over $10 million. You could have both Markstrom and Toffoli for that money. Yeah. That fucking hurts. 
Yeah. So And I agree. And I think that's why people are mad. People use that whole Stetcher thing as a lightning rod, but that will continue to happen until we lose those guys. The positive art. The positive. Now we're punching one. Is Brandon Sutter is only on this team contractually for one more year, and Louis is for two. And now we've freed up enough money to re-sign our important pieces like Petey. And this is where I think the Canucks are looking down the line to sign Petey oh, and Quinn. now they're looking down the line? No, but I mean like... <laughs> you know what I mean though? Yeah. I hate that. Yeah. When you when when you made all these deals in the interim yeah. to win, to make the playoffs, and now he's looking down the line. Where was that thinking two years ago? But we didn't have ago. the core intact. We didn't know Quinn Hughes was going to be a piece of that core. Right now we I have kind of could have foreseen that one though. Well, you can't. Can, a lot of people didn't foresee Petey being as good as Petey was going to be. Okay. Right, this yeah. rebuild was advanced because of how good those players fared in the NHL in their rookie seasons. True. You can even say that about Brock Bester's rookie season. True. Right. Yeah. So I mean, like to not have to worry about these contracts coming back to haunt us at the most pivotal times when we're going to need that money to resign this core. The Canucks are in okay shape that way. Right. Are they still a playoff team moving into next year? Yeah, I think with the Schmidt deal, they are. Yeah. So right? I, I've noticed a lot of okay, let's, so let's relax get to the Schmidt. Your sack, right? Let's, let's get to the Schmidt deal. When that trade came down, I Unhuff was like, your titties, Art. I was like, yes. Take that knot out of this your This had dong. this had to be done. But this wasn't let's not pretend like this was all part of the plan what do you mean that's the thing about like any nhl general manager is that they need to be fluid and think on their feet i'd rather have a gm who thinks on their feet than just sticks to a plan that they have you need to be adaptable if you're gonna run a team that's why when people are being like oh ray ferraro should run the canucks did you see that shit yeah i saw it what i saw it I don't want to talk about that. Okay, cool. Make your point. Make your point. I forgot what it was. Now. <laughs> it's the turkey, everybody. The turkey's got us all. We're all tripped the fend out here. Oh. The reason they got Schmidt was because Vegas wanted Petrangelo, Petrangelo more. That deal doesn't get done. The Canucks don't get Schmidt. What are they doing? What a steal, though. Yes. Uh, well, like this, Just like JT you, Miller, you heard, what a fucking steal. Yeah, you heard the interest in Vatanen as well, right? There were yes. rumblings that the Canucks were looking to make a run at Vatanen. Schmidt fell into our lap in a way where they saw the Petrangelo go, deal go down, and they went to Vegas, and they're like, we will give you a third rounder for this. And somehow, because Vegas just needed to shed the salary, Schmidt was in the first year of his deal, Yeah, right? They were like, yes. And now we got this guy locked in. For a pretty good amount of time at a pretty good term. You know, like Almost, it's a tidy piece of business. I'll tell you right now. He's gonna away, be 34 when his contract's up. That's not bad. I'll tell you right right now that people are gonna love this guy a lot more than they love Tyler Myers. Yeah. Yeah. So And he's an upgrade on Tanif. He right? is an upgrade on Tanif. He's a faster skater. He's got a better shot. He, he has offensive in- instincts. He jumps up in the play a lot, which I absolutely love, right? And, you know, if we're talking intangibles, Chris Tanev was loved on this hockey team by his teammates. Mm-hmm. Nate Schmidt's probably going to be loved by his teammates, too. Yeah. He's got one of those pers- personalities that he's already d- endured, like, 
the Canucks media and all the questions they've thrown at him. They had a big media day yesterday, and people absolutely love Nate Schmidt. Uh, he what was, reporter wasn't glowing? It's true. Right? So he was asked about the Canucks during this yeah. presser. And there was a buzz about him in the bubble. There was a buzz about him, about their young players and the talent that they have, uh, especially up front and then on the back end with Craig Hughes. Um, you know, sprinkle with some veteran guys that have been around the league. Um, and you can understand, you start to, you see when you play them, I mean, you're one goal away the other way uh, from them moving on and from Vegas going home. And so you understand that this team has got a, a tremendous feel and a, a, a team that went down 3-1 in the series and never allowed, uh, you know, Austin Vegas to just take over the game and just say, okay, that's it, it's over. We're going to lay down in front of you and move on. And that's something that's very admirable. That's the kind of team that you want to be a part of. You want to be a part of someone and a group of guys that will fight for each other and all the way down tooth and nail, all the way down to the end. Bravo! Bravo, Ward Ayrton! Not even hosting this week's Between the Stammers, and he brings a clip to fire at the appropriate moment. This is the consummate professional I work with. <laughs> this is what we do here at Between the Stammers, and it's all because of you, buddy. Nice work on that clip. Thank you. Nate Schmidt. By the way, I don't know if I'm the only one that think the, thinks this way. But oh, my God. Let me tell you about Art Aronson. I'm just kidding. Go ahead. Does he not remind you of Butters? A little bit, hey? He's got a Butters look to him. He's got a Butters look He does. To him. Yeah, from South Park. Totally. Nailed it. That's all I could think of. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And yeah, this is a narrative that is already running wild with Nate Schmidt. It through the media, through yeah. the fans, and everything. Yeah. yeah, like, and the other the other uh, piece of this is now with Beagle Schmidt and Holpe on this team, a lot of former Capitals out there, mm-hmm. you know, coming in to get it done. The outcasts, but all these guys know what to do to win, yeah. right? So, I mean, again, like with with you, I agree. I think we have a playoff team. Kind of in the making. Well, not in the making. I think we have a playoff team still. We're gonna f- and we can still do spot. some damage, yeah. right? And here's another thing, Canucks fans. Okay, here it goes. We can get better without adding pieces. Yeah, like that is just so lost in, and not just the Canucks fans of any team going into an off season and through the off season. Let's talk about the young players that you have on your team already who need to take the next step. And that's not something you can trade for. It isn't. So, in talking about that, Jake Vertanen is going to be qualified. What do you think? He's going to arbitration. Yeah. Yes, and he's qualified. I I know this is a hot-button topic. It is, because there is a good, I would say 70% of Canuck fans... They don't want this guy on the team. I would say vocal Canucks fans because I think a lot. I think Jake Vertanen gets a lot more love out there, you know, from the Canucks fan base as a whole rather than just a lot. A lot of the people on Twitter. I, I think there's a, a a group on Twitter that are loyal followers of two radio stations in the Vancouver market, and one of those radio stations is very very hard on Jake Vertanen. You know, there's two there's two hosts of a, a show out there that have, like, basically voiced their displeasure with the guy and want him gone. Wait, you're trying to tell right? me that Canucks fandom isn't isn't only what I see on Canucks Twitter? Yeah. 
Get excited, buddy. Who, There's a whole giant world out there. Who, who could have known? Right? Who could have known? Get excited. So I I think everybody who listens to this podcast knows where you stand on Jay Furtanen. Yeah. What, are you telling me shut up? You don't want me to talk about it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm not saying that. I am still on the fence about Jay Furtanen. <laughs> <laughs> And that's that. That's a testament to where he is at his in his career, right? Yes. And w- like, am I willing to go through another couple of years to to watch this guy develop? Actually, the question is, yeah. The answer is yes. Okay. For me, it is. It's yes. So, let's just talk about money here for a second, because yeah. a lot of people are talking about with the salary arbitration, Jake Bertan- Vertanen could be making around four million dollars. There's going to be some hard feelings after right? this arbitration, by the way. Yeah. But they're saying Jake Vertanen could potentially be making around $4 million. Yeah. Right? Tyler Toffoli signs for a little bit over $4 million. Who would you rather keep, Tyler Toffoli or Jake Vertanen? Tyler Toffoli. Tyler Toffoli? Yes. Is that just because of what he's proven to do already in the NHL and you don't see Jake being able to make that step into a player who can score over 20 goals consistently Uh, a season? Or what is it? I just think for – this. that's basically in I don't think we're going to see a – better Jake Furtanen than we've already seen. Okay. That's yeah. why that's why I'm saying that. If you if you look at Jake Furtanen's career so far, he is improving year on year. Yeah. He was the sixth overall pick, which I think hurts him in this fan base because a lot of people, especially because he's a local boy, have expected to see a lot more out of Jake Furtanen. The news cycle definitely hasn't helped him because of him showing up to training camps not in shape. That is 100% on Jake Furtanen, right? And he needs to, this year... Show that he's committed to this team by showing up in the best shape of his life and putting his nose down and playing some hockey. Whether that's him in the top six or him in a third-line role. Personally, I think Jake Vertanen has been gangbusters on that third line. You know, to produce 20 goals, on pace for 20 goals, 20 goals if you include his playoff goals, in a bottom six role... Any team would take a player like that any day of the week so to have that type of production. Here's the question for you. When we're talking about Jake Furtan, we're talking about Tyler Toffoli. The reason I like Tyler Toffoli better is because he gives a flexibility in that top six that I think no other player that, that Jake Furtan can't give. Here's my, here's my counter to that. Jake, Are you willing to give $4 million to a guy who's going to be on the third line that maybe can come up into the top two. Lines. Here's my counter to that. Jake Furtanen, when he did move into the top six in these playoffs, was effective. Jake Furtanen brought a different element to that top six during these playoffs with his speed that Tyler Toffoli couldn't bring, right? And Jake Furtanen, with that speed in the bottom six to come back and check and do all those things in his own end, also helps, right? That's where I think that uh, the Canucks organization looks at a guy like Jake and says, if we can get what we see out of this kid, and if he can keep improving, even if it takes a little bit of time, we have a player here. That's true, but I could, I, and again, for Toffoli, I, playing a full season and a healthy season in that top six for the Canucks, I could see him scoring 70 points. Can you see Jake no, Tannen doing no, that? No, I can't. At, the, at this so, point, at this point in his career, I can't. But I also haven't. I also don't believe that Jake has been given the looks that other guys in the past have afforded to play a top six role. People, I think he was disagree dis- with that. I think he was discounted early 
in his career as being like, this guy could play in the top six, and then now they're just like, no, he's going to be a, a third-line guy who could potentially jump up and down the lineup. And that's fine. Jake has to prove everybody wrong there, yeah. he, right? He has to be consistent in the top six game, game in, game out. But when I look at a guy like Nikolai Goldobin going back two years who had all the looks anybody could have possibly ever asked for playing in a role with Pedersen and Jake occasionally getting bumped up, I look at one guy's ride versus the other guy's ride, and I'm like, it's a school of hard knocks for Jake, and that's fine, but he's got to learn. And to qualify him at around, you know, four, potentially under four, I'm okay with it. And this is where I was wrong about Jake Vertanen, and I'll say it because I'm going to give you props for this. I watched him closely during this playoffs. He's very good in his own end. Yeah. Very good in his own end, so he doesn't hurt you when he's out there. Yeah. And that's that's huge. But again, he's not a guy that could put up 40 goals like Tyler Toffoli could, right? And I don't, I don't see that ever happening for him in his career at this point. Maybe not 40, but I don't think Tyler Toffoli's going to be putting up 40 goals a- anymore. I don't know, man. Right? Some of those games he had with Petey, just imagine a full season of that, yeah, right? Yeah. So I, I just his, his his offensive instincts of where he are, of where he is. Are better, but I mean T- Tyler Toffoli's a guy who's running, riding shotgun, right? Jake Vertanen has the potential to pilot a line, not a top line, probably not even a second line, but like a third line, and that's still important. It is, but it's not as important. Yeah, that's well, why... that's why you don't pay him upwards of five million, right? Yeah. If he's sitting around four or under four, I'm happy with it. Okay, there you go. That's it's just a value, what you value more. So right. That's why I was I was I am still very frustrated yeah. that Tyler Toffoli isn't a part of this team. You think Josh Levo comes back, and do you think he can fit on that third line or that fourth line? Yeah, right. Yeah, I think that's also what the Canucks are thinking. Plus, with a guy like Nicholas Holglander, who's who's coming over here yeah. to try and fight for a spot, like we're going to see that not should, only we should get Faber on sometime to talk yeah. about Holglander. Yeah, not yeah. only on the offensive side, but we're going to see that on the defensive side too with Yule Levy, Brogan Rafferty. I don't think Jalen Chatfield's an NHL caliber defenseman. That's just me. I think that, like, Canucks added Ashton Sautner back onto their team, you know, to play in Utica and come up when he he can to be just a steady presence back there. I think the Canucks, when it comes to a guy like Chatfield, they want to see offense out of him, but it's not not as uh, productive as they probably hoped when they first brought him in. Yeah. Um, But I think it is interesting, and and I do think that with the depth that we have, we're still in pretty good shape. Right. Um, so, yeah. Do you want to keep talking about the Canucks or do you want to move to some other well, big I w- signings I w- in the NHL? I wanted to ask you at this point, do you, what do you give Jim Benning? If you were to give him a grade right now, and it's not over yet, fans. I know a lot of you out there want Jim Benning out the door right I'm now. I'm giving him a C. That's about, that's about I'm, what I'm, I'm giving him. I'm giving him a C, right? Oh, damn it. Kirby. I'm giving him a C because he salvaged it. He's like the Holby move I like, yeah. right? The Holby move I like, the um, even like the Nate Schmidt deal I love, and I would probably give Benning a way higher letter grade if we were able to move Sutter or Erickson. But he failed in that respect completely, and the the failure of what the initial reaction or, or what the initial idea was with Tyler Toffoli, he failed on that too, right? Like when he went initially to go get Tyler Toffoli, 
The idea was probably to resign him, and he didn't resign. You him. don't make so that, that move. Makes, that yeah. makes him look bad. Terrible. And the optics of that are why I'm giving him a C. Do I necessarily think it's all that bad? No. Like after thinking about it and, and processing it, I don't think it's that bad, and that's why I'm not giving him an F. That's why I'm not giving him a C minus. But I'm not going to give him a C plus for all that other shit that went down, and especially for this Toffoli thing. Canuck fans. So he's getting a C. Yes, and we can also give him a few. It, for me, it was a C minus. It gets bumped up to a C because I realize now that it's also about the deals that you don't make. Yes. And he didn't make the deal for Oliver Lackman Larson. Plus, yeah. he didn't sign Jacob Markson to that Which deal. was tempting as fuck. It was. Right? Yeah. So those two things didn't happen. He's not getting any credit for that on Canucks Twitter. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Right? Which I think is very disingenuous of Canucks fans. But the Toffoli thing, fuck. Fuck, that sucks. Um, Schmidt, Nate Schmidt. Very helpful. It's going to be very interesting to see how Toffoli does in Montreal. And it's also going to be very dis- interesting to see if the Canucks do take a flyer out on some of these players who are kind of waiting in the wings. Anthony DeClaire, to me, is a player that I'm really interested to see where he's going to go. Okay. I don't know why, I, yeah. but I think that guy could play a decent third-line, fourth-line role on a team. And, uh, like, he's moved around a lot, but I still think he has some potential. So I'm, I'm interested to see where he's going to land. Okay. Right? You're the host. Going around the league. Yeah. <laughs> That's where you want me to go, right? I got a little push from well done, sir. the better host, I will say, Art Aronson, the no, better host. No, no, I think with, the the cu- with a couple of more casts under your belt, you'd be crushing me. Go fuck yourself, all right? What? You're you're the host. <laughs> you know. um, okay. Going around the league, what was the biggest shock to you as far as signings were concerned? The Tyson Berry signing. I mean, you could actually, you know, Taylor Hall also. I think Taylor Hall is yeah. by far and away the craziest one. It is the craziest. You're right. It is a show-me deal in this pandemic era. $8 million one year to the Buffalo Sabres. You know what? It's, he wanted to play with Jack Eichel that badly. Yeah. That's what it tells me. Yeah. Does it not? A lot of funny... Uh, a lot of funny words flying around there, too, about this deal and how Taylor Hall only likes going to toilet bowls of the NHL, right? When you look at his history of teams he's played for, Edmonton, New Jersey, Arizona, and now he's in Buffalo, yeah. right? He's kind of completed the, the the circuit of four there where not too many players are too interested to play in, right? But what does this do for Buffalo moving forward? Rasmus Dahlin is a generational talent on the back end defensively. Right, And that top six of Buffalo with the addition of Eric Stahl, which is a quiet, sneaky good move, that top six is stacked. I want to hear from Mr. Doom and Gloom that we had on our podcast, Uh, Mr. Call into Mad Dog Radio there. Yeah. What was that guy's name again? Dwayne. (laughs) We got to get Dwayne in and ask him, what does he think about Getting Taylor Hall for nothing. I can tell you what Dwayne thinks because the Buffalo Sabres also picked up Cody Eakin and that pissed off a lot of like Nashville fans. Yeah. He wants to get rid of Casey Middlestat. Interesting. I've seen him float that around about like what can they get for Casey Middlestat now that they have uh, three centers that can play top, second line, and third line. And Casey's still an unproven guy with a decent pedigree. He's, I mean, his junior numbers were very, well, sorry, his U.S. hockey numbers and NCAA numbers were very good. 
and he's looking at the idea of bus- Buffalo potentially floating around a deal from for Middlestat. I think Buffalo is still going to have its problems in net, and they're still going to have their problems on the back end, right? But, you know, just like we were talking about last season about how Dallas is the most interesting team in the NHL, this Taylor Hall deal, single-handedly, even without the Eric Stahl move and without the Cody Eakin move, makes the Buffalo Sabres the most interesting team in the NHL next year. Oh, wow. Hands down. And what did we say about last year? What did we say last With year's Dallas. most interesting team? Yeah. Was the Dallas Stars. Yeah. So do you think a team like Buffalo can make the playoffs next year with what they did, or do you think their their division is too much of a meat grinder? Too much of a meat grinder, and nothing good happens for the Buffalo Sabres. This is going to fall in their face somehow. I don't know how, but it is. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be the contrarian. I'm going to say they're going to squeak into a playoff spot next year with what they have in their, in their top nine. I think, I think their, their, their forward group has improved drastically. Cap, there's just a losing culture there, buddy, that I don't know. We'll see. I don't know. You want to make a bet on it? What do you want to bet? You want to bet a lunch? Sure. Okay. You heard it here, ladies and gentlemen. Art Aronson and I are betting a lunch on the Buffalo Sabres Making the playoffs next season. Okay. So can we go and talk about what I think was the most shocking You want to host headlining? it? You want to host it? No. <laughs> Resigning. Okay, now we're going to talk about what Art Aronson thinks is the most shocking uh, hockey story so far out of free agency. Jason Magna resigning with the Avalanche. <laughs> <laughs> no, it is with the Colorado Avalanche, though. They somehow wrangled Brandon Saad from the Chicago Blackhawks. Yep. For Zadorov. Yeah. Pretty good defenseman. Yeah. They ha- they got another piece for him. Too. Col- Chicago is full on tanking on this next season. In the future. Well, they re-signed Kubelik to two years. Yeah. They let Corey Crawford future. go, which is a sad day for Blackhawks fans, man. I feel ya. Like, I do. I feel I'm the pain kinda, of Blackhawks. I'm kind of sad that he didn't get the huge the huge uh, send-away like Henrik Lundqvist did. Right? Because Corey Crawford is the best goalie in Blackhawk franchise history, and it's not even close. Yeah, he's definitely up there. I mean, if you go back to the days of Tony Esposito, you know, like, people, but even historians then, might have something to say about that. But for what he won for Chicago... And how great he was in those playoffs. I agree with you. He's definitely my favorite goalie in Blackhawks history. Yeah. So, anyways, I was just sad that he didn't quite get the send-off as Henrik Lundqvist got. Now he's Henrik in, Lundqvist lives in the yeah. Big Apple, right? Yeah. yeah. And now Crawford's in New Jersey. It's a very interesting offseason. We don't have enough time to talk about all the deals. Yeah. Um, but I thought that was interesting. Brendan Saad going to... Going to... Uh, the avalanche in that yeah. trade. Okay. But also uh, the signing Tyson Berry. Very interesting move here. What do you think about this? I love it for the right reasons the or the wrong reasons. I love it for the Oilers. Like, for whatever reason, he wanted to go there and play. I think Tyson Berry's a good player. I don't think the Leafs had a conducive style to winning in defense there. And I think Tyson Berry would have been a great fit here in Vancouver. Everybody was like, no, no, he wouldn't be able to fit on the first unit power play. That doesn't matter. We could have a great second unit power play with Tyson Berry, right? Here's my issue with this. Oh, God. I don't think the Edmonton Oilers 
have the pieces on their defense to allow Tyson Berry to play the way to play to his strengths. They don't. Well, they're full on offense at this point. I understand that, but you need defense and you need a defenseman back there who's going to do that job for you. And Tyson Berry has proven in his career that he can't do that job. We don't know what's happening with Clefbaum when it comes to the Oilers, right? Yeah. And to me, that's the most important piece on that team that that they have to deal with if they're going to want to stop pucks from just funneling into their net. They just re-signed Mike Smith to another deal, so they got the same backstop as Smith and Koskinen again, who good. couldn't even fucking have an over 900 save percentage on the season. It's not good. It's not good. It's so not when good. you bring in an offensive mind like Tyson Berry thinking that that's going to solve your problems because you're going to be able to fill the net with, with pucks against the other team... Yeah, it may I, help. I'm not putting them but ahead. It hurts of, the glaring issues that they still have mm, on their back end. Yeah, I don't know. I feel like they can, they can do enough around him to make him a good move. I think he is a defenseman you want on your team. Don't let the dumpster fire that is the Toronto Maple Leafs sour you on Tyson Berry. That's the point I'm. I just to make. like when Barry went to the Maple Leafs. I felt like I was like it's the wrong fit for them because they don't have the defensive pieces to allow Barry to thrive. I feel the exact same way when it comes to Edmonton. I think it doesn't fit the type of player he is because he's going to be asked to do too much from his own end. Is their power play going to be better? Absolutely, it's going to be better. Right? Mm-hmm. Are they still going to get their heads kicked in when they're in a, their own end? Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. And that sucks for Edmonton. They didn't do enough. If I had told you three years ago that Chris Tanev would get a more lucrative deal than Tyson Berry, than Tyson I Berry. would have told you to go fuck your hat. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, and you know what? Good for Tanev. But you know what? Tanev would probably fit better in Edmonton to me as far as what Edmonton needs than Tyson Berry. Okay. I just think Tyson Berry's getting a bit of a bad rap here, and he shouldn't. He's a better player than what he's make the money he's making for yeah. sure, but he needs a system where he's going to be able to thrive. All right, that's a, that's all I'm saying. Okay, right, that's good. That's it. That's all I got. I thought that was very shocking. Do you, do you have another one? Patrick Marlowe going back to San Jose. What do you think of that? This is a ceremonial move. Yeah, right. The old like, man's still playing. Old man's still playing, which we've already said on this podcast many times. Yeah. We respect old men that keep playing. Yeah. Uh, yeah, this is so he can retire as part of the franchise that he helped bring to such a, you know, I won't say great level because they haven't won the cup or anything, yeah. but to, to, to a respectable franchise was because of him. I got two more, actually, because if we're going to be talking about Canadian markets a little bit, I want to talk about Montreal and what they did with Josh Anderson and how Max Domi doesn't even want to talk about Claude Julien. Max Domi wants out. It sounds like Brandon Gallagher either wants out or wants to get paid. By the way... What is going on with Montreal? If the Canucks could somehow wrangle Brandon Gallagher... Former giant? God, that would be A lot of people would be very, very happy around here. Including me. Brandon Gallagher playing with a guy like Jake Vertanen would be interesting to see too, I think. I think those guys would complement each other. Well, I think Vertanen would learn a little something about puck pursuit. Yeah. Right? Anyways... Okay, so what do you think? I'm asking you. I'm hosting. I'm asking you, what do you think of this Max Domi thing and Brandon Gallagher and how you feel about the Josh Anderson Well, I deal? think the Max Domi deal didn't really make any sense at all. I don't get it. And now it makes more sense that you told me that he wanted, he wants out. Yeah. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. So that that's that's all it. That's okay. all I have on that one. And Josh Anderson, what do you think about that deal? I think he's a good player. Yeah? 
But I think Matt, his numbers don't I know. seem too indicative of the fact that he is a good player. Yeah, that's because I don't think he's like the guy there to put up to put up points in Columbus. Wasn't okay. wasn't ever that guy. Yeah. I think going to Montreal, he's going to be given that opportunity now. Foley as well. Montreal. I think maybe Montreal's the most interesting team next No, they're year. not. They're not more interesting <laughs> than Buffalo. But, yeah, like, they are interesting. Yeah. Right? With Toffoli there and with Josh Anderson there. And with I Carey agree. Price, obviously, you know, getting back to being Carey Price here. Anderson is going to have to swim, like, pretty high if the Canucks even – I mean, not the Canucks. If the Canadians want to be even remotely happy with this deal. That guy's going to have to score, like, 30 goals. Can Josh Anderson do that? Yeah, I that's know. a massive question. That's a, that's a massive question, right? I mean, I like his I like his skill set. That's all I'll say. Okay, yeah. cool. You want to wrap her up there? I think some people are looking in on us here that want to get in here. So, all sure. right, Art Aronson, where can we find you? At Art Aronson on Twitter. Great job, Caleb Kirby. Thanks, buddy. You crushed it. And where are we on Twitter? Oh, at Between the S, all and right. you can also uh, email us at. Between the stammers at gmail.com. And you can find me at Curbman23 on Twitter. Thanks for listening. <laughs>